You're listening to Sunday Service, a live stream of the Grad School Confessional podcast, where we rant about the inner workings of the ivory tower of academia in a mildly qualified way. I'm your host, Dr. Yo Asway, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anna Sway. We were going to make this a live stream, but my internet is actually so crap, so this is now just going to be an episode or a video that we're going to post later. Um, also, cool fact, we just passed 3,500 followers today, so go us. <laughs> um, today's topic, we're going to be discussing uh, legitimacy and credibility within academia. And I think this is a topic that first came to me um, after I read someone's sort of tweet. And they had said, you know, I don't really know whether to call myself a researcher or like a social scientist. Um, and it got me thinking like, yeah, there's not really a lot of standardization in the way that we have titles or like talk about research and titles in academia and establish that credibility. But I think you have some fairly strong opinions on this. Fairly strong. I feel like Twitter is a goldmine for this. Two things stand out. Yeah. One, I came across a, a Twitter profile where someone was calling themselves a neuroscientist. And I found that really strange because usually people will like list their affiliation too to just kind of like add that credibility. And also they look like they were 14. And I mean, you're on the internet. <laughs> Nobody can tell you're a dog. Ever. But I went and I double checked and this person had a general science undergraduate. Mm -hmm. So not like a specialized neuro. General science. In general science. Um, and they didn't have a PhD. They worked as a research assistant in a neuroscience lab. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, 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 that doesn't make you a neuroscientist. Yeah. See, in Canada, if you're working at a research institute and basically if you're doing research outside of the academy, the title scientist is an actual job title. So, you know, there's junior scientists and there are senior scientists and that's an actual job that somebody will be looking to fill and a prerequisite to holding that job is a doctorate in mm -hmm. that field and so at least in canada for someone to go and say i'm a neuroscientist without holding a doctorate is a little misleading right and the second thing <laughs> that came to me from twitter was a video of of uh, a woman, black scholar, who kept being referred to by her first name on a Zoom call um, by a middle-aged white <laughs> academic after she repeatedly corrected him and said, I am, they call me Dr. Yeah. Her last name. And he repeatedly called her by her first name. And the comments were like, she's not a doctor. She's just a woman with a PhD. And I was like, no, we were here first. Wow. Wow. I mean, so many things to unpack there. Like, first of all, um, I love this idea of scientist as being a protected title. I think to an extent, if we're having this rhetoric right now, you know, in, in our social discourse of trust the science of, you know, science is important. Science is whatever. We need to standardize the way in which people establish that authority and that credibility, right? Like, don't get me wrong, okay? This is going to sound like I hate kids, and I don't hate kids. But when, like, young people are like, oh, my gosh, I learned about this, or I did, like, I made a baking soda volcano. I'm a scientist. Like, yeah, you're doing science, but I don't think that makes you a scientist. Oh, okay, and so I just, you said this, and I was like, well, if you know, little kids are playing in a box or whatever. And they're like, I'm an astronaut and whatever. Like, would I actually 
correct them would actually go to a kid. <laughs> okay, no, okay. No, 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 no. Follow me, follow me, yeah, follow yeah, me yeah. on this. Would actually go to a kid and say, "Well, you haven't gone through decades of rigorous training with NASA, <laughs> so you're not a scientist." But the reason, but the reason I think the term scientist needs to be unpacked now and legitimized is because it has become so politicized mm-hmm. in the past 10 years sorry 10 in the past two years it feels like 10 years but it's <laughs> only been two can you believe that oh my god right because <laughs> dog's having some dream <laughs> okay um our dog is having a nightmare making sounds that he's never made before a little terrifying anyway but in the past two years the the term scientists the terms research have become so politicized Mm -hmm. because you have people going i've done my own research and people who do research as a job are just ripping their hair out yeah it's like if you had to use a google search to find and that was the extent of the research (laughs) that you did asterisk not google scholar because i use google scholar (laughs) yeah like okay don't get me wrong okay i think Using Google is totally fine. It, it can be a valuable and powerful research tool, but you have like there's another layer involved, right? And that's that critical appraisal piece, and like that to me is formed through the training that you go through as you know a doctorate, right? And you're doing research and you're able to appraise this kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's why I think it's incredibly important in all research methods classes to be teaching electron critical appraisal of research, right? But beyond all of that, you know, we have, I think, most recently, like you mentioned, the term scientist has had this um, weight to it, right, that started to mean something or in many many ways delegitimize science, right, because everyone calls himself a scientist now. Like, what does it even mean to have a PhD? Right. And then and then you also have people who have PhDs start to come forth and uh, spread a lot of misinformation mm-hmm. or uh, directly question um, and try to delegitimize like the good work that some people are doing. And it's problematic because they're kind of like they're ruining it for the rest of us. Yeah. And I think, too, it doesn't you know, this kind of thing hasn't been happening in just academia. Like you look at people like Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz and, you know, they have like Dr. Oz has a medical degree, but he oversteps his bounds so much in what his expertise is, right? And it's kind of like you're starting to use your degree as a tool by which you can establish authority in something that you honestly don't have, shouldn't have the authority in. Like, I think if more people understood that having a doctorate means you know a lot about a very small segment of knowledge, they would look at that and be like, oh, wow, that person is a chartered accountant. I bet they know tons about investing in the stock market. Like they're related, but they're different, right? Yeah. It makes no sense. And also like, it's such a small sliver. And if you just finished your doctorate, you know a lot, but you also like, you don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, does anybody know everything? No, no, but some people just have so little shame in like positioning. That's like, I don't know. That's like me going into me going into and teaching like a feminist methodologies course because I use feminist methodologies like to do my doctorate. It's like, well, it was a very specific method mm-hmm. and I did it for three years. I'm not going to go out and pretend I'm an expert. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, too, I think when academics take that attitude, right, we almost have this 
um, apprehension and really considering ourselves an expert in anything, right? Mm. And when you combine that with the other side where people who obviously know much less are now establishing themselves as strong authorities, you have this perfect storm of like, well, if people with doctorates aren't going to stand up and aren't going to be like, hey, I know my crap about this topic. And you have people who are like, I also know it, but they clearly don't have the education. You know, who are people going to believe, right? The loudest person. Exactly. We always, we tend to believe the loudest person because, hey, they wouldn't be that confident if they didn't know their stuff, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it it plays into this this whole thing we're talking about where it delegitimizes uh, so much, or I guess removes the credibility that PhDs have, right? Yeah. And I think universities can do a lot more to add credibility to their to their PhDs or to support their PhDs. What do you mean by that? Or to denounce. Like, U of D didn't get Jordan Peterson to leave until he started with, like, the anti-vax stuff. Like, before that, yeah. the sexist, the racist, the classist <laughs> remarks, U of D was like, that's fine because he published a book. He's bringing in a lot of money. Like, keep him around. And it was the anti-vax stuff, and that was when he got, like, massively called out for that, mm-hmm. that U of D went, oh, I, I guess now it's not worth it. Yeah. Right? But if you are this, like, sensationalized personality in a way and you're affiliated with an institution and it's not all bad like the the institution is not going to go out of their way to like you know kick you out they didn't even kick him out yeah yeah i know i know and one thing that kind of i think you raise a really good point in terms of how universities play a large role in legitimizing these people as well because, you know, obviously the institution, the universities as an institutional body are seen as being these like paragons of, you know, virtue and knowledge. Like there's a reason we call it the ivory tower, right? It's because we all, all the academics live in it and they're like looking down at everyone else and like, we know so much more than you. And when you have also, people. Also, can't leave. <laughs> Nobody lets us leave. Trapped. Also, when you're like, you're, you're crying out to the to the townsfolk from the ivory tower and you're like this is truth and this is good and this is whatever and the institution's like yeah okay we'll keep you here you know there's there's obviously a a, a level of credibility and legitimacy that comes with that right? my favorite fairy tale you know the academic in the ivory tower who opened the shutters to his windows <laughs> i am well within my confidence in role. <laughs> and the town folks were like yeah it's pretty dope tim knows his stuff <laughs> oh man no but back back to people calling themselves whatever like i have an undergrad which was weirdly split between psych and neuro classes mm-hmm. i'm not gonna go and call myself a psychologist mm-hmm. and i'm not gonna go and call myself a neuroscientist because i know like i still can't name the 12 cranial nerves <laughs> It's not hard mnemonic. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't even want to look at that. Okay, so then um, how, what would you suggest then as being an alternative title for someone like that? So the person in your first example, you said they were a neuroscience research assistant. Yeah, so just like... Would you consider them a neuroscience researcher? I don't know. Like, if you... Why is it? And this is and this is like a whole other thing, but like why is it that you feel the need to inflate your title? Why can't you be 
Oh, come on. Everyone does that, though. But just just call it what it is. Yeah. You are a research assistant in a neuroscience lab. There's nothing like that is not a a thing to be ashamed of. But I think it's less about shame and more about, again, establishing credibility. Like, for example. But that's what you are. You have an undergrad degree. Right. But when. Let's say that you're trying to make a point. Okay, let's say you're trying to like argue with someone on the internet, which is always a good idea. I would recommend it. Um, if you say that you are a neuroscientist versus if you say that you are a neuroscience research assistant, you know, even if on your end you know that it's still a very legitimate thing, hearing that, it's like, like okay, I'll give you another example, right? When you first get a job at a university as a professor, you are a what? I don't know. It depends on the states or in Canada. Okay, but like, what's your title? If you're tiny track assistant. Assistant professor, right? Yeah. Exactly. Assistant, assistant professor. The regional professor. <laughs> <laughs> assistant branch professor. Anyway, you are an assistant professor, and to people who are not within academia, and actually even me, when I first entered graduate school, like, I was like, "Is that just a TA? Like, you're an assistant professor? Like, you just..." You assist the professor, yeah. right? And so it sounds so much like less legitimate, despite us knowing where it, what it is and being like, "Oh yeah, you just like it's the lowest form of professor." I should say lowest, but you know what I mean, like it's entry, like it's the entry level professor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. And so, you know, I understand why people would want to give themselves sort of like a title that they feel reflects their knowledge and their education. Okay, okay, but this is my thing. That's a little bit on the institutions on like not being clear about these things mean because when someone is like, I'm a resident at this hospital, nobody goes, oh, so you live there. I mean, they technically, <laughs> I understand now why it's called the residency because you never leave the goddamn hospital. Yeah. But no, we're not like, oh, so do, do you live? Do we send postcards to the hospital now? You really should. Anyway, but like assistant, even of itself, like in in other titles, assistant means assistant. Well, then universities need to change it. They're like professor level one. Professor level and then one. When you get a full professorship, you're yeah, like super saiyan professor. I literally was gonna say that. Same brain. <gasps> Same brain. <laughs> no, but I I don't think I don't think you can do that. I don't yeah. think you can call yourself a type of scientist because then at the same time you have these people who are like i did my research i did my own research and they call themselves a scientist yeah like yeah or i love people one of my favorite titles is people who are like they're um they call themselves historians to the like a current event it's like no man you're not a historian to this current event like internet troll you're just like you're just living in it right now okay (laughs) just because you know what happened doesn't make you a historian like there's another layer of analysis that needs to come many more yeah yeah Yeah. but okay so then you know obviously there are some i don't want to protect it but standardized titles right like doctor kind of infers that you have a phd or you know other medical degree and then or a chiropractor degree. That's yeah, actually thing. doctor kind of even then kind of gets thrown around like just technically in Canada, uh, lawyers are doctors, right? They're JDs, just doctorates. So, yeah, but they have the decency not to call themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but like so are dentists and chiropractors. I think dentists are doctors. 
You don't think dentists are doctors? I guess. Wow, are we about to get a flame war here? <laughs> but chiropractors, and chiropractors are going to come after me, but like you didn't go to. <sighs> I think also chiropractor gets like a bad, bad rap because of a lot of chiropractors. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Well, let's, I, I think, you know, professor in and of itself is also a protected term, right? Yeah. And like, I remember when I was teaching the my the class in my undergrad, um, or sorry, teaching the undergrad class in my doctorate, and I had students calling me professor and calling me doctor, and I like I corrected them. I was like, actually, I'm not I'm neither professor nor doctor. <laughs> I'm just poorly paid and have been <laughs> taken advantage of to teach this class. But uh, yeah, and kind of telling them like you can actually just call me by my first name. Like I don't need a Mister. I don't need a whatever. Um, and so yeah, like I think professor is one of those things where you know. That's kind of a way to distinguish. Yeah, but then everything. So do you think there needs to be something similar for like science? Not, not like a doctor, but like a, like, for example, to be considered a scientist, if you need a doctorate, shouldn't you just be doctor this? Like if you don't have the doctor, then you can't really call yourself a scientist. Maybe, but then, but then people are going to say that I'm gatekeeping, but then you're like, but like, I think there's some things. is yeah. a highly technical skill. Maybe we should gatekeep it a little bit. Yeah. And like, you don't feel people being like, oh, like you call yourselves a, a lawyer, right? Like you're saying that just because I have legal knowledge doesn't mean I can't call myself a lawyer. Like, yeah, like that's exactly that's- it. And it's within, and I think because it pertains to legal matters, right? There's much clearer boundaries in what you can and cannot call yourself and do versus, again, science and academia kind of feels a bit like the Wild West right now. It does. And like, for context, I wouldn't call myself a scientist. I wouldn't. I'd call myself a researcher. I wouldn't either. <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. I love you. Because I think I do research, but science in of itself has um, a, a, a set of rules that, that we a follow. A particular set of skills. No, but it's in terms of it has to speak to rep, like replication. It has to speak to hypothesis formation, all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And we don't do that in qualitative research. Mm-hmm. It's research. It's incredibly valuable research, but I wouldn't say it's science. Okay. But then also, counterpoint, what about a social scientist? Because those are absolutely a thing. Oh my god, that's not part of the Venn diagram where I just like don't want to go. <laughs> what it is? I don't know. I don't know nearly enough about social scientists. Social scientists, tell me, are you scientists or are you social? Oh, so you think that the scientist term has to come with the social part? Like you can't just be a scientist on your own. You have to be specifically a social scientist. I don't even know, man. Okay, <laughs> all right. Social science is its own, like yeah. I want to talk about something else now for a second. Um, I want to go back to the second example that you gave mm-hmm. at the beginning about, you know, the, the black scholar who was continually called, you know, sort of the wrong title. Um, and then, you know, comments being like, oh, she's just a woman with a PhD. I think that there is absolutely, you know, for certain groups, I think women especially, this, whether intentional or not, delegitimization of their education of their expertise oh 100 percent, yeah yeah and i'm wondering if you know as a woman if you can speak to that um i think i think in relation to this example there are so many things happening mm-hmm. and i think race is a huge component of it i think 
Um, gender is a huge component of it. I think the, and I don't know if the person mislabeling um, the scholar was like a higher standing professor or who they were in that sense. But there's like, there are so many issues with that. I think it boils down to like, if the person corrects you not once, but twice. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, says that they're a doctor and this is not a you passing on the street. This yeah. is a formalized like Zoom yeah. talk. Where like it means something like it plays a role into, again, that what we talked about, that authority and that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah then you call them doctor. I think, too, it's like if you were to use that same example, but instead of getting their title wrong, you got their name wrong or you got their gender wrong. Like people would look at that and be like, wow, that that, you know, MC or that facilitator was like doing a really bad job. Yeah. Right. But here it's almost like, oh, well, it's, it seems fine because it's I don't know, it's a Ph.D. Right. Like what do they really yeah. know? But I think and I mean, there's a lot of conversations on Twitter happening about how um, it means a lot more for women to be referred to as mm-hmm. they, they they will set a precedent to be called Dr. So-and-so because people in the academy keep defaulting to like their first name mm-hmm. or to miss Mrs. whatever. Yeah. Right. And it's this, <laughs> the infantilization of women in academia is like very deeply entrenched. Mm-hmm. And also I've heard too that part of the reason why, you know, they insist on doctors because it's the only title they get what doesn't infer their marital status. Yeah. Like men don't get that, right? Like Mr. What's the Mr. Mr. Like, you know, basically it's just you don't know whether I'm Mr. Doctor. Uh, Strange. Well, maybe. Who am I to judge? (laughs) This is what we do. We just quote movies and you can guess which movie that's coming from. (laughs) Um but yeah, like, it, you know, I don't have to worry about that. Not that I would, I think, even be worried about it. But certainly, you know, if I'm talking to someone in a job interview, you know, they can't ask me if I'm married. But I if mean, they, they can't ask me if I'm married. Right. But they might infer from, you know, the way, like, let's say you don't have your doctorate yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how should we address you? Right. And and your choices in a fill form for a job application are like miss or missus. Like right away, that basically more or less gives it away. Right. Yeah. And that's in itself, like, why? I mean, I think it comes back to a time where we, I mean, again, this is just my speculation, but where women were kind of viewed as more property than anything else. like Right. No. And, and you know, I agree. But then why do we still have these? Because, like, it, it's kind of interesting because there's tons of, like, like non-binary folks exist. Yeah. Right. Or people who just like people who don't get married, people who don't like at, at this point, you know, somebody who is widowed is a very different person from someone who hasn't been married yet. Mm-hmm. So like, should we have a category for everything? Like just don't have those things unless mm-hmm. they're professional like designations. Then you put it down like PhD, MD, mm-hmm. JD, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, doesn't really help the people doing the hiring whether it's mrs mr yeah. except unless to you know sort of subtly discriminate right yeah exactly so if it's there for that then like yeah maybe maybe stop discriminating 
help you. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about something in the kind of the opposite direction of this now, where it's like we've talked about how these titles kind of are can be used to to discriminate, to categorize. But then we have the other side of things where people kind of like will just put this on everything, right? And they'll use it to their advantage. Kind of we talked about like Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's situations in which calling yourself a doctor as a PhD is probably not a good idea or like is kind of almost self-serving in a way beyond any, any use or any utility? I mean, there's always utility, right? You're kind of... Okay, what about the classic airplane example though where you're like, is there a doctor on board? And you're like, I'm a doctor. <laughs> this man's dying. It's like, oh, no, no, not that kind of doctor. <laughs> That's, but that's what I mean, right? It's it's self-serving in the sense that it creates this, this illusion that you're allowed to speak to matters that are way yeah. outside of your expertise. And for a lot of these uh, topics, you're probably like, you are a, a lay person. Yeah. Like you are the general public. Yeah. We kind of have this assumption that because somebody's smart or somebody has a credential in like a specific thing, that they're just uniformly like, I don't know, intelligent or yeah. knowledgeable. Yeah. But like, I don't understand. Yeah. Like, Jordan Peterson has a PhD in psych and not like as a practicing psychologist. Yeah. Like, like as a researcher and that's cool, but maybe we shouldn't take his advice <laughs> on global pandemics Yeah, because he's never researched them. And until COVID came up has probably never even like taken an interest in them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because that's actually a fallacy. It's called ad hominem, right? Mm-hmm. And it's where we expect someone to be knowledgeable or to be telling the truth about something or to be good at something simply because they occupy a high position or a reputable position. And I think, a fantastic example of this is any celebrity ever like celebrity workouts, celebrity, like giving you advice on love life or your lifestyle. Like, just don't do it. These people aren't you. They don't know your thing. Right. They don't they barely know what it's like to just exist as a person. Like no person should have that many people throng to them. Right. It's kind of weird that we idolize them. But I think it's the same thing with like academics. It's like, oh, you're a Ph.D. You know this. You must know all this other stuff. And my parents do this all the time. I was just going to say, this is the universal this is, immigrant This is the immigrant experience, experience, right? It's like your parents are like, oh, you got a PhD in health sciences, which technically I suppose the broader umbrella of health science. Yes, I did. Guess mom. Right? But then like, help me with this thing. Or like, what does this medication mean? I'm like, I have never taken a psychopharmacology course or a pharmacology course in general, right? And so like, I don't know what a lot of these things are. I'm just inferring. That's not to say that I'm useless. Like, I think... As a researcher, the ability to go on and research and try and find out about this stuff, like that yeah. is useful. And being able to read the science, that is useful. Yeah. But I'm not going to be like, yeah, I'm an expert in this. Listen to what I say. Take it as gospel. Yeah. So my parents will take it like an extra step. And it's mostly with like language acquisition. And I remember being a kid and like having better English than my parents. And they would ask me like finance <laughs> questions because... They were asked it in English, and since I could comprehend the question better, I could, in theory, <laughs> generate no. Oh, uh, yes, finance. Now that's part of and my... The, the argument of like, but you speak English was used so many times. And I was yeah. like, but I'm 12. 
<laughs> so yeah, I think it's the quintessential immigrant experience. Yeah. Or like the moment you know the language better than your parents, or the moment you get a PhD, they're just like, "Well, you must know everything. Yeah. Figure it out." Yeah, exactly. And I think again, you know, it's not just exclusive to your parents. Like I think the general public thinks the same thing or feels the same way. It's like you have a PhD, and it's like you need look no further than into popular media. And like, I think there's one episode or episode, one mo- Avengers movie where Bruce Banner was like, I have four PhDs or something. Five PhDs. Five PhDs. And it's every like, academic. Why? <laughs> what why happened? would you do five PhDs? Okay. My theory is They're that. They're not the infinity stones, man. You don't got to collect all of them. <laughs> you don't get stronger. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, just chip you away. just get poorer and sadder. <laughs> you just chip away your sanity, Bruce. Come on. <laughs> I I think he just didn't want to enter the real world and just kept getting funding and yeah just stuck around. But even the funding's not that good. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense why in the first Avengers movie they find him. <laughs> Black Widow finds him in a hut in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> That's all the man can afford. Yeah, and then he's like, "I tried to kill myself. Like I would do, man. <laughs> if I had five PhDs. If I had to do five PhDs. Oh my gosh." 20 years of your life. I'm kidding. We don't endorse suicide. But yeah, uh, like, again, it's just you look at depictions of that, depictions of what a PhD is, and it's like you just must know everything about this thing, right? And I think if academia was a bit more transparent about what that actually means, people would look at that and be like, oh, yeah, there's no a lot about maybe one particular thing. You know a lot about your thesis. Yeah. And also, really interesting, too, is like we position PhDs as being, oh, you know all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's training. Like you're being trained in a thing, right? You would like you wouldn't look at an apprentice of, you know, I don't know, welding, right? Yeah. And they do like a four year apprenticeship, let's say. You wouldn't look at that person and be like, wow, you're a master welder now. It's like, like, no, the person's good and they can work like weld on their own, but you know, it, it still takes years of training, years of continued work and practice to become a master welder. For example, right? And I think it's the very same with like research. Like I am continually learning more and more about research. <laughs> Often too, no, my detriment. <laughs> I'm continually learning about all the things I'm doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I think I think it's been a very fruitful discussion about sort of the credibility that academics have uh, and the legitimacy of a lot of these different degrees. Yes. And I also want to settle the age old debate. Um you can't call yourself a candidate unless you did a candidacy. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing too. It's like I see people posting that they, you know, oh, I'm a, I just got into a PhD program. I'm a PhD candidate now. It's like you're not. Well, and see, here's the thing. Here's why I think it's confusing. Candidate has a meaning to it. Assistant professor, the assistant part, kind of doesn't. Like it doesn't mean assistant. Yeah. So you know, again, I think it's just academia. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Academia is horribly disorganized. And you know what, too, I think, too, one of the issues with this whole, like, oh, a PhD is this and that. Like, dude, I have known so many PhDs. People have done PhDs, right? Just in my, through my graduate degree and whatever. There is no consistency at all in what constitutes a, like, a, a, a PhD program at all. You could do one study. You could do three studies. You could do, you know, five studies. And also the defense, like depending on who you're on defense committee, yeah. it could be a complete joke. Yeah. And I think it's it's so interesting, especially with defense committees, that 
I hear, um, I hear about people's defenses and how they were grilled on their research. And then I've seen people's defenses where the people were like tangentially related to the field. And the reason they were on this defense committee is because they had a service component they needed to meet. And it was August and all the other academics were on vacation. Like it, it's just the chasm. Mm -hmm. There's such a divide in between like what, constitutes a phd program yeah yeah and i don't know i think it's a little more standardized in i mean the the more stem you get mm -hmm. uh but in health sciences in life sciences it's kind of like mm -hmm. yeah this feels like enough for a phd yeah I, I mean you know to some to some universities credit like you know when we were having that uh that crossover episode with the struggling scientists they were saying in europe you know, at their university, you have to publish at least two of your papers and have one in sort of in submission, yeah. right, to to move to your defense even. And I think, you know, that's a fair step into kind of standardizing part of the PhD program. That said, though, they were in a STEM field. It's the kind of thing that you have, you know, are more likely to do in that kind of field. You make that contribution. When you look at fields that are more social science or, you know, involve maybe special populations or whatever, like, a number doesn't really cut it. And so I think for me personally, the idea of a somehow a standardized way to evaluate a contribution to your field doesn't like not necessarily studies, like number of studies, yeah. but somehow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that in itself. That I mean, that's what your thesis is supposed to be. Right. I but mean, it's it. a caveat too. Right. Because like some people are just really good at justifying their work. Mm hmm. Some people aren't. I'm not. But also, like, how do you even standardize contribution to your field? Sorry, I, I, I don't mean standardized contribution to your I mean more of, like, the the whole PhD itself needs to have a standardized component of something related to a contribution to the field. Yeah. I mean, again, some people would argue that even if all you did was replicate a few studies— yeah it, yeah, it makes a significant contribution to the field. But I think, okay, and so this leads me to an interesting point because you had mentioned like, oh, I'm not very good at justifying like the importance of my work. Yeah. I think it is an essential component of a PhD, of occupying an, an authority of knowledge to be able to justify the importance of your work or at the very least where it fits into everything. And I think that because... People out there without PhDs, without degrees, are going around and spouting nonsense about whatever it is and are justifying its importance. And I think, you know, it's almost a responsibility of people who know better and who who hold that knowledge to be like, this is how it actually is. So glad we managed to make this personal. <laughs> <laughs> Me as I'm writing my, <laughs> my thesis up. I'm so glad we made this personal. No, I mean, I know the contribution that my research makes. I just have trouble positioning it. Like, I, some people talk about their research and it's like, this is the most important thing. Yeah. And I can't do that because. Right. Like, even within, even within my project, there are different analytic products where I'm yeah. like, wow, this is definitely more important than this other thing. Yeah. And certain things take priority. Um, 
So I can't be like. So maybe importance is the wrong word here. I think I mean more like understanding how to position your work within the broader context of just everything, That's right? Good, good grant writing. That's what that yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know, to to that um, to that point, I think regardless of what level of education you end up getting, whether it's a master's or a PhD, when you're into graduate school. Knowledge brokerage is a hugely important part of it, right? Just being able to look at a research paper, you don't have to write it, but being able to look at something in your field, in your relative expertise, and be able to critically appraise it, and then be able to translate that to people who, you know, wouldn't be able to do that, speak the language of science. I think that's hugely important, and I think can only contribute to a more informed population. So... You know, I think maybe having a position, having formalized, maybe even like a, a protected title of a knowledge broker, right? And yeah, and and some uh, universities are starting to employ people specifically for those positions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is a good start. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we need more knowledge brokers, but also with other positions, like don't don't over don't overstate yeah your credentials because. In the long run, in the short run, it might help you win an argument, but in the long run, you are compromising what people are trying to, you know, spend a large chunk of their lives building mm-hmm. and you're further adding to this. Mm. Yeah. You know, Being aware of the power of your platform, right? And like. Yeah. Yeah. And. But then also, I think, too, not understating the importance mm-hmm. and over like the authority and knowledge that you that you may ha- that you may carry. Right. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to Sunday service, the live stream. Well, not today, but <laughs> of grad school confessional. Special thanks to my lovely co-host, Anna. If you missed this one, tune in every other Sunday on twitch.tv slash grad school confessional at 9 a.m. PST for the next one. And you can also listen to each live stream episode on our YouTube channel or anywhere you listen to our podcast. If you haven't already, leave us a rating on Spotify, subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a follow on Twitter at grad confessing. And until next time, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Principal Investigator, Amen.